Unbecoming of Age, the podcast. A cautionary tale. Listen to what they say, then do the opposite. Your hosts, Colin Flynn and Sean M. Craig. Thank you for joining us. Episode 192, Unbecoming of Age, the podcast. Two guys that have never met in real life doing a podcast together. My name is Colin Flynn. I live in Iowa. My co-host is Mr. John M. Craig. Hey, Colin. It's, uh, it's been a minute. A, a lot has happened since the last time we recorded. I'm up here in Connecticut right now, but I'm not talking about in my little dumb world. I'm talking about in the world. The Beyond. world is, yes. Yeah, and I don't think it's falling apart of the seams. I just think that what is happening is that there's a lot going on at once. And uh, I don't even know where to jump in on this with the protests and coronavirus. And uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not trying to avoid the news, but I'm not seeking it out. Mm -hmm. And I'm not avoiding social media, but I'm not on much of it. But I do have Instagram and I I see a lot of the same. And that has a lot to do with the people I follow. Right. Sure. I'm very relieved that I'm not on um, Facebook because I grew up on Staten Island and I'm sure that I would be reading things that would really put me off. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt. That would put me off in the sense that it would be like, you realize that you're not wrong, necessarily, quote-unquote, wrong for thinking that thing, but you clearly do not understand what the protests are about. You didn't understand what Colin Kaepernick was trying to say. You know what I mean? And it's like, I don't know. It's just... Yeah, I I saw a post uh, from a person, she's a psychologist, uh, an old acquaintance uh, of mine that uh, lives in Los Angeles, and uh, she's lived on the East Coast as well uh, for a good deal of her life, but uh, she's now currently in Los Angeles, and she had... uh, Post this little thing on Instagram, and and like like you, I've been trying to avoid social media quite a, quite a little bit. And I, the weird thing was, right before all of this uh, all of this stuff with uh, with the George Floyd uh, killing came along, I had just right before that I decided I'm going to cut way back on uh, on social media. And I'd been looking at that little alert thing that pops up on your screen time thing you get if you have an iPhone once a week, and uh, mm-hmm. I had. It, it just was getting like every week I was increasing by a certain percentage and it, it felt to me like I was spending way too much time gawking at my phone. So I had made this decision consciously. I'm just going to back off. I'm going to, I'm going to try to keep the, the, uh, the phone out of my face. I'm just going to try to, you know, uh, do my thing. And then we went from, and yeah, that was a lot of that was because of the coronavirus stuff that was going on. I was just getting sick of the, sick of the news cycle with all of that. And then this, other thing came along so and i had made the decision um okay i'm not gonna I'm not gonna pay attention before that and then as it was rolling along i decided i'm just gonna try to as much as i can kind of try to stick with this and try to minimize it not completely ignore it i'm not saying that but um try to really um uh stick to my guns as far as uh, less less time looking at uh Twitter and uh, social media in general, just looking at the looking at screens that is not related to something I'm doing for work. Anyway, that said, so I was reading this uh, thing that she put out, and um, she had somewhere along the line either she had created this herself or something. Perhaps she's sharing it from someone I don't exactly know, but she had come up with all these various iterations people are trying to call people out for for you know you're not with the cause unless you're this or you're not doing that right unless you're this and yeah everybody is trying to come up with these various uh iterations of what is what is the truth and um she had broken down about 10 or 12 of them that she had heard recently uh some of which i had heard before there were some of some of these takes that were pretty to me pretty preposterous sounding sounding um and um she was just saying that you may have a take somebody else has got a take uh theirs is one thing yours is something else uh uh nobody in her mind is what she was saying should be calling somebody out necessarily for um speaking out not speaking out um saying something saying something wrong um Mm -hmm. saying not enough there's there's all these different uh, iterations of things that are going Mm -hmm. on Mm -hmm. like right now in cedar rapids iowa there's a there's a rally taking place 
that I've been uh, uh, told about by some friends, and uh, mm-hmm. um, I'm not there, obviously. Um, it's right. not because I don't support a lot of things that are going mm-hmm. on down there, but it's just it's not my place to be right now. I've got things going on in my life. Sure. Right. Um, and um, do I feel like uh, the people that are there are, uh, are wrong for being there? I don't. I don't. But um, I don't feel like I'm not wrong for being there either. I, for not, I, for not I being agree there. with you there. And, and, you know, I'm not. <clears throat> I live in New Jersey, and, you know, so which is very close to New York. And even down in New Jersey in Asbury Park, I believe there have been some protests. There may have been even some closer to home um, where I live. And I haven't gone to any. And I don't know that I will. I just I don't even know what I would. Again, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I. It's like I don't know what I could do, what I should do, where I stand. I know where I stand. I I know. I I've felt this way for a long time. Yeah, we do have a problem, you know. And it, it, it's not necessarily about individual racisms, but uh, racism, but. The police are to serve and protect, of course. However, there seems to have been a very long, well before George Floyd or any other name that has been, you know, killed, that of 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 levels of systematic racism that even transcends race. I mean, I mean, you'll you'll see black officers and Hispanic officers involved in some sort of what appear to be very brutal, you know, um, you know. Oh, chokeholds or attacks or whatever on someone. Now, we don't know the whole story leading into that, but there's nothing, you know, logically, there's nothing in my mind at any point where that makes sense, where once you have detained a suspect for something at that point where you would do that for that period of time, that is not your job, you know? Yeah, they've, they've, uh, there's been, I think, uh, for sure, many instances in many many places in the united states where policing i think has gone uh it's crossed a line to uh, to a place where it shouldn't be shouldn't shouldn't exist uh i think for me the the most dramatic example of that that i've heard in the last day or so is this stuff that i don't know if you saw the part about what's going on in buffalo new york they um yeah yeah old, old guy gets knocked over i happen to know exactly where that that spot was where where he was at which ironically there's a there's a um there's a very peaceful line painted on a um uh, about a block long painted on a building down there Beatles, uh, part of uh, I think it's something from Imagine that's um, along a uh, wall down there. That's uh, that very photograph, very much photographed. People, people are down there for you know. Yeah. I know it was, it was it was a place we visited on vacation. I guess in right, in Buffalo yeah. near near Niagara. Anyway, so the guy gets gets knocked over. Um, then the police, uh, two people are on the police department uh, have been suspended. Suspended, I but they had fifty four police officers that have uh, apparently uh, quit their jobs in protest. But I don't believe they've actually quit. I believe what happened is they're refusing to do certain parts of their job. Yeah. So I don't. And I don't wanna, know the exact the situation okay. there. And so. Yeah, I don't either. But to me, if 54 people are speaking out against, uh, it, there's there's a, there's a mindset in a lot of police departments that is uh, they're gonna they're gonna it's a union. There's uh, it's you know it's a tough job. I wouldn't want to do it. It is a tough it. job, absolutely. And, and uh, the, you got a lot of guys that are going to stick up for each other, and they're still going to close ranks. Mm-hmm. It, it used to be called the blue wall of silence. It probably still degree. is. Yeah. I don't know what it's called now. Um, I, I think to a certain degree, there's a psychology of an us against them mentality. Absolutely. It yeah. comes out of when you're wearing that uniform, when you're doing that job, particularly in a bigger city where there may be more crime, that when you go to the job, do that job, you're not necessarily seeing people the best of the best or people in their best moments, right? And so I, I think that's a, a contributing factor. And I think I've, I've talked to you about this before. I think I have, um, that when I was 20, when I was 24 years old, a few months short of my 25th birthday, when I was a production assistant on a movie, I, I got called by the NYPD, the New York Police Department. I had taken the test. My dad, mm-hmm. had, who was a New York City firefighter and before that a corrections officer, 
he would always say, you have to take the test, take the test, take the test. And I was like, but I'm firefighter, no, I don't want to go into a burning building, not once. Um, you know, even police officer and garbage, it was like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. Not because I went to college, maybe, maybe because I was entitled and felt entitled. And I remember I got called and I got called to go into an office, I believe in Midtown Manhattan. I don't know exactly where. I told my mom this recently. She did not know this. She didn't remember this. Um, and I, I had to hold a gun, um, a 38 revolver, as I remember it. It wasn't loaded. It was literally an office. And one of the things I do is just to get a sense of who, I guess, someone's paying attention to how you hold it, what it, and, and some couldn't even, there was at least one person in there that could not hold the gun up straight. It was too heavy. I, I don't know how heavy a 38 revolver is without ammunition, but I remember it feeling heavier than I expected. And I, I don't know if I've rewritten this through the years, but I, I had this memory of, of right around that, right around that, maybe not at that exact moment of thinking, I, I, no, I can't do this. This is not for me. I, I can't, like, 20 years of this, minimum 20 years to retire and get out. And, and what, what happens in these situations, I'm not going to be in a good situation all the time. What if I have a partner who believes a certain way and I don't agree with that person and now we go into a situation where we see something differently, but it's a snap, you know, a split moment decision you have to make and this moment could change your life forever. My life, his life, the suspect's life, whatever it is. Now again, I don't know that that happens to the majority of police officers. You know, I I've, I've know um, some police officers who uh, were in New York and, and never discharged their gun. And they were, and it's not like they didn't see anything, right? Right. Yeah. You know, so you wonder those officers who have many times, what happens? Where are they? You know, what what precinct are they in? What's the what's the crime like there? How does that happen? But the unions are very strong and do protect police officers, and and in terms of not having to release their photos, uh, our identity. Um, or what has changed that obviously is that everyone has a, uh, a video camera in their pocket, you know? So a lot of these videos go out well before, you know, we're now a police. Yeah. You know, that blows department. me away more than anything that yeah. there's still this, uh, cavalier attitude in a lot of instances that, uh, you can still do these sort of things and nobody's going to find out about it, which like I said, everybody, absolutely every Every person walking around has a camera with instant uploadability to the internet uh, yeah. that they can put something out. Well, Why would you even live stream? Yeah, like live literally, stream can live stream, and it has yeah. happened. Why? How could you be that dumb to even do that? So, if, if we do have people in in uh, police forces that are that are still doing that kind of thing, and it's obvious that we do, um, that we're going to have to, uh, as a country, somehow figure out a way to systematically uh, remove them, which uh, I don't know what percentage of, you know, if you take an average police department, are, is that 20%? Is that 30%? Is it, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I is don't it know. higher than that, of the people that are dumb enough to, to do, that have that attitude that would do something like that? I don't, I don't know. I don't Nobody, know. Yeah, I don't think I don't know. Do. You know, it, it's, such a, it's such a challenging thing to even get sort of statistics on this. Yes. Because of how it's been protected for so long. Yeah. And to understand where does the problem lie? Does it start at the top? It's like you don't necessarily need to have a, a, a bunch of racists to have systematic racism that was brought in at, at a certain time at different times in our history, you know, and, and we can pretend that it's not there. Something that was, again, one of my favorite words, anecdotally very powerful to me is when I was on Instagram and there's this guy, uh, Dino, who is a set dresser. I met him about three and a half years ago when I was working on The Affair. You know, I was on the set dressing truck as a helper and whatever, and I met him and we were just chatting, and I think we both took a, a similar picture of, of something, and we started chatting, so we followed one another on Instagram. And he, um, he posted something on his Instagram page, and it was also on his story, and it was like, and the question was, when was the first time a police officer pulled a gun on you? <laughs> and I swear, and it was yeah. like, and I'm reading this, and again, it is anecdotal. I don't know the full situation. Some people said what had happened. Um, I mean, I saw as young as nine. I think I saw as young as six, right? Now, again, it, it's, 
<laughs> it's such a weird it's like I can't imagine many people that I grew up with outside of my middle school experience and I'm being serious not because I went to school with the Wu-Tang Clan and I, but but again I, I did go to a predominantly black school that was across the street from housing projects I'm sure that there were plenty of kids that I went to middle school junior high school with who were in that situation more so than me obviously but it's just like there's such a different the idea that you could be at nine six nine years old in that right like how, how are you worried about school or anything else I mean like that's gotta that's gotta fuck you up that can't give you a good sense of the police the same uh, police I don't know man I, I just I it was powerful to read. Yeah, it's, it's, to me, it's like I can't even get my head around uh, exactly, yeah, any of that so much. The, the thing that com- comes into my mind a lot is, okay, you've got this police issue, which, okay, if we decide somehow systematically to create a situation all across the United States, all these uh, thousands of, uh, tens of thousands of police departments that exist, if somehow there was a magic way to, to wave your wand and say, okay, police brutality, we're going to get rid of that. Um, that still doesn't get rid of racism it's, it, in any form. No, not you at know, all. Um, so uh, it's almost like uh, two different things. And I'm not saying we shouldn't shouldn't try because we should because uh, things are fucked up in that situation. But there, there's a there's a whole bunch of issues at play that uh, that uh, come into 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 the situation and uh i heard uh reggie watts uh, i don't know if you know who he is he's uh he's uh, does some acting he's i think he's most famous for his beatboxing thing that he did oh um, no i knew reggie watts of course yeah, yeah yeah he's from like seattle big big fro and he's the musical director for james corden now yeah yeah he's yeah Mute, mute, yeah, he's uh, multiracial. Uh, he actually grew up in uh, Montana. Uh, in, okay, uh, I didn't know where he grew up, but I gr- thought he was in Seattle for a while before he came to yeah. New York. I think he's back living in Montana. Gr- uh, gr- really? Green Falls. Well, I thought he was he was in Los Angeles because he was on that James Corden show. Yeah, he probably gets around a lot. I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but for he was sure. in Brooklyn for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, he he, uh, he was on Rogan, and I heard him say something that uh, that I thought was uh, it struck a chord with me. He said the only problem he has with uh, with uh, you know the the demonstrations is that uh, he said he's a he's a very uh, he's a pragmatic sort of guy, and he looks at things as as far as what 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 would uh, produce a result, and he he said. The, the the rallies the demonstrations all this stuff they're just not efficient they're not an efficient way to to enact change and um i thought about it and, and that to me is along the lines of of my thinking is well, if you're going to do something you've got to find a way that is um you can you can okay so there there's a problem let's address the the, the idea that there is a problem i think that's what the rallies and the protests are about but then um past that what do you do uh, to efficiently move towards doing something about it and well, uh, right a, a resolution of a some resolution, sort moving action forward plan. making change yeah so that part i haven't heard much about but i but i've been ignoring it uh, it's been this week has been weird because like with with zoe with uh, more tories a little more um doesn't pay as much attention to it but kids with the kids around so zoe was like you know she came and she said you know i really uh, she wanted rachel and i she said you guys should uh you should download tiktok because you got to start looking at what's on tiktok uh, about the yeah. about the protests and i said I said, I, you know, I believe you that there's stuff on there that's definitely worth watching. And, um, she, you know, she was like, the police are, are doing it. The police are doing all the bad stuff. It's all the police that are doing the bad stuff. And I didn't disagree with her. I just was like, I told her, I said, I decided, I said, I think a lot of that stuff probably is on. Uh, if I go look for it, it's probably on Twitter, which yeah. is kind of like the, you know, it's the in the main, it's in, in, in part of the mainstream media as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. One of the things, and I don't know what you're talking about specifically or what she was talking about, but there's this thing about bricks being placed close to protests well that's that's what i said so she's she's watching all this and she's so she's in her mind okay and i understand where she where she's coming from completely um you know it's a rally it's a protest there's demonstrators there's marchers like you know that's one Mm -hmm. one side of things but okay like you said then there's also this other thing that that real quickly the, the the ugly side of things got going very quickly and we had instead of being a rally it was a riot and there were looters and there was 
uh, around here, they're referring to them as agitators. The in, mm-hmm. in quotes, the agitators. Co- they're bringing Molotov cocktails. They're, yes. They're now, doing, you, yeah, and and this is not. This is a supposedly this is a real thing. Well, uh, William Barb has talked about this one very small group. Yes. But, well, yeah. the United States has actually been caught. Our government has actually been caught, admitted to, not this time around, but in previous lot previous lives, of the employing what they called agent provocateurs um it was like back in uh i think around i don't know if it was the the um i think it had something to do with the uh with the stuff that went on with uh with the demonstrations against wall street the 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 guys that were out in the park whatever the hell they called that movement oh yeah yeah oh um yeah uh, occupy wall street occupy wall street thing so um Agent provocateurs, uh, they know for sure, uh, from one of the government agencies, CIA, who knows, uh, NSA, blah, 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 somebody, these dudes roll up in vehicles, uh, matching vehicles. They're all suited the same way, black uniform, not mm-hmm. uniforms, but they're all, they're all dressed the same way. They immediately jump out and start causing problems. They start you know, throwing bricks through windows and lighting cars on fire, um, that sort of thing. We know that that has happened. That's, the United States has fessed to that. There, there's been, this has gone through a court system and, and we know that to be true. Um, they know that if they can create a situation at a public event that gets worse, mm-hmm. they can pull in riot forces to mm-hmm. quell the disturbance, if you mm-hmm. will, get rid of it, mm-hmm. shut shut them up, get them to go away. Mm-hmm. Now, Zoe, when I was talking to her, she said, "Well, it's it's the it's the white supremacists." And I said, "Well, the white supremacists are saying that it's the, uh, you know, it's the it's the left, it's the anti antifa, yeah, the, right, and, right. which was which Trump had uh, designated as a." Uh, terrorist group. Okay. Yeah, yeah, oh, and right. it's all these different possible groups that are being mentioned that could be doing mm-hmm. something. Right. My, in my mind, it's probably a little bit of all of I that. I would say I would, and that's um, I, I, I'm a left leaning moderate. I believe I have no idea anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I'm more, I'm more with you on that. You know, the brick thing really threw me. Yeah, I saw when pictures I saw of that, that, and I saw yeah. pictures of it, and I was like, mm, I don't know about that, you know. And so, so sure enough, I just looked it up before we recorded, not because we were recording, and I thought it might come up. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, it was like there were multiple mainstream outlets. I mean, I read one on BuzzFeed, and it broke down. The one on BuzzFeed broke down each one, each video. One in Boston, and one in Boston, there were bricks, and people saw the bricks there, and police were placing them, and it was apparently, you know, cops pulling broken bricks and placing them close to that it was protocol for what they were doing right and even the larger bricks there's no construction there's no construction well they were placed there and covered before george floyd right was killed and again there it was preparing for a construction project you know and so and people are putting together things and they're uh, you know adding apples and oranges and connecting dots that aren't there but then creating them then they become mainstream news stories or fringe news stories and then or social media even worse because right. now and it takes seconds moments to google and this and then just to have some you know sense of of reason and logic to look at this all and go like, okay, what's going on here, right? And so not all cops are bad and not all protesters are violent. And there are some that are very, you know, that are very impassioned and really just trying to be heard. Many, I would say most, young, old, you know, multiple generations. And the cops, I swear, man, even that thing in Buffalo, it'd be like, could you imagine having that job and then all of a sudden you've got to put on all of that riot gear? What that must do to your psyche? That's not <sighs> a day you want to fucking go to work. Uh, yeah, if I ever just, there's an us against them mentality, it's yeah. right now in those bigger cities where there are larger numbers. You feel outnumbered, but you got the shields, you got the weapons, you got the riot gear. And it, like, some fucking old, you know, 75-year-old fucking white protesters in your way as a, a large group of you go. I'm like, why the guy, why they pushed him out of the way is beyond me. Why that one guy, one cop seems to be hard, it's hard enough bizarre. Shot to, yeah, you know, I mean, it couldn't have, I mean, it could have gone worse, but it went pretty bad for the guy it, to fall It was pretty clear, though, he head. was an old guy, right? Oh, he was 75. I mean, he, he appeared even though he had his mask on, I think he did. It appeared, like, yeah, he was a fairly, 
he seemed to be a fairly tall, lanky, yeah, elderly yeah. guy. Right, right. Right? Like, not. he didn't seem threatening anyway. I don't think he could do much with his oak tag, you know? I'm sure there are some people that can MacGyver their fucking sign into a weapon. <laughs> he didn't seem like one of those. No, no. He didn't seem like the, the guy they, mm-hmm. they should be uh, worried about. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I just, uh, it's, uh, seeing both sides of it is... Uh, Tensions are heightened, obviously. Hugely, hugely, and uh, and uh, here's what I know for sure. Uh, I, I talked to somebody this week uh, about it in uh, retail. Uh, gun sales are going through the roof right oh, now. Oh yeah, I heard through about the, that too here in Connecticut. Roof. Yeah, because um, yeah, Susie told me that there was a line at a gun store close to. Yes, uh, yeah. and uh, people are just like, okay, uh, if we're not going to have police, <laughs> uh, maybe I, you know. I, I well, better do something about so, it. So, so to the point of like these these agitators that we were just talking about, I heard this story earlier today on NPR, and I'm just looking it up now. Uh, three men connected to Boogaloo, B-O-O-G-A-L-O-O movement tried to provoke violence at protests, Fed yeah. say. And very very organized, supposedly. Yeah. Minnesota, Texas, as well as Philadelphia. And so you, you it's just sort of, you know, uh, possession of Molotov cocktails, three guys, uh, Kiwi, that uh, Stephen T. Partial, Kiwi, 35, Andrew Lynham, 23, and William Loomis, 40, all of Vegas arrested Saturday, a state criminal complaint alleging conspiracy to commit. Now, I would think that any group like this, small groups, small factions, they look at this as an opportunity. Oh, sure. And even if you were, think about it, if you were wanting to uh, just to rob someplace you, you, you this is a would be a great time if you have police otherwise occupied all over town and you just want to you, know, you want to jack some some stuff out of a store great well, timing you know you'd think like if there is such thing as organized crime in the united states somewhere you got to think right now they're like come on guys let's go <laughs> this is this is our uh, our time to shop <laughs> uh and it's I, I feel really bad because I've seen, uh, you know, uh, some of these stories about these small business owners, uh, a lot of yeah. times even minority-owned businesses. Yeah, many times, sure. Turned out or, or lost everything. Um, <laughs> in Minneapolis uh, right now, you, they say that uh, in, the, in the black community, uh, in the black neighborhoods, there's nowhere anywhere close to buy groceries now. If you if you need groceries, it ain't happening. It's they're all bombed, burned, shut down, uh, closed. Uh, there's just nothing left. So if you want to go out and forget toilet paper, you know, if you want anything, it's not there right now. Right. Yeah. Do you, are you familiar with uh, Michael Santiago Render, better no. known as Killer Mike? Oh yeah, the guy from Run the Jewels. Yeah. Run the Jewels. We just came out with a new album yesterday, right? So he. Um, he and T.I. Uh, owned restaurants and businesses in Atlanta. Uh, he's got like a whole barber school thing. He's got a lot going on in Atlanta. Apparently his father is a police officer. I believe he has a, a brother or a cousin who's a police officer as well. And uh, about a week ago, I believe it was a, a week ago yesterday, Friday night, he spoke with the mayor. T.I. was there as well. He did not want to do it. T.I. spoke, talked him into it. And he had a very impassioned speech about asking people not to engage in looting and burning and whatever. And, and it, it was very emotional speech and, and great. And, and it's like, you know, and at that point, I don't think he doesn't want to do it because he, uh, he did it. But I don't think he didn't want to do it because he's conflicted. Mm-hmm. I think it's because he does have family that's law enforcement and it's like i'm not the guy right in this moment right nothing well, to do with an album coming out or any of that i, I would have yeah i would have to guess speaking out and saying uh you know stand down is probably not a very popular opinion well, he, some people he, he wasn't telling people to stay home not to protest it was it wasn't that it wasn't an emotional speech it was just stuff man it's like you know you don't have again yeah it's what is the right thing to do the right thing to say if i'm white can i say nothing is you know it is it's just i i got a little annoyed with a friend of mine who in the middle of a conversation about nothing to do with any of this 
he wrote all lives matter by the way and i was like are you and i said i don't know if you're doing this to rile me up regardless you're a jackass he made another joke about going out and looting like when i was like are you gonna be around and i'm just like like i understand i get what you're doing here but if you if you want to have an intelligent conversation i mean it, it downward spiraled at one point into statistics he talked about black oh, and white Jesus. i said I said, what the fuck are you talking about, about statistics? Black-on-black crime is not what we're talking about right now. Yes, absolutely, that is a problem, and I'm not saying it is not my problem, but it's a systematic problem beyond law enforcement. It's education. There's so many things, and and it's like, I don't know how you turn that upside down and fix it all, but like going to that, even Kylie, my daughter who will be 16 in like a couple of weeks um she turned to me and she's like what do you think about the protests and everything and i was like what like i'm taking her to the beach and and she just out of nowhere says it and and she's on tiktok so i'm sure she's seeing a lot of it and i'm like okay can can you be more specific (laughs) you know what i mean like i'm just i'm like okay please explain to me and and she I said it's it's really complex and 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 some of it's really terrible and awful and whatever and and she said that she had a thing with a friend of hers and this friend is pretty religious. Um, I believe she's a white girl. I believe she has an Italian last name, but I'm not sure. I don't think I've ever met her. Um, and uh, apparently she kept like going at Kylie. All lives matter. And I guess this girl had a thing back and forth on Instagram with something, but I guess it was a private conversation. And it made Kylie feel really weird and like she didn't necessarily agree with what this friend of hers was saying. And and so much so that when they were going to get together at one point, because Kylie and her mom went to this girl's house for like a social, you know, a physical distance birthday a couple of weeks ago, like to wish her a happy birthday on the front lawn, you know. And it was like... Uh, you know, even addressing that is like, I don't know this girl enough. I said, it's really challenging to get someone to even reconsider their point of view if the response to what's happening now is all lives matter. It's like, yes, we know that. No shit. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's, it's, it's the idea that, that, you know, it's not like every white person had it better than every black person or is more successful education or anything. It's just that as a white person in most places, that's not a thing that held us back. That was never, when we got pulled over, that was not a problem ever. Right. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, look there, the idea that there are, there are reasonable parents that will have to tell their children boys or girls particularly boys you can't wear a hoodie you're not allowed to wear a hoodie well just a whole coaching uh, thing that probably has to go on about if you get pulled over and you're gonna get pulled over uh, for the hell of it at some Mm -hmm. point here's what you need to do you're gonna be Mm -hmm. mad but you need to you know you need to do control yourself and 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 that's even weird and controlling and, and again and it's, it's like to a point of like i don't know i mean i never like getting pulled over and and i have had the one situation with a police officer years ago when kylie was an infant and we were moving out of battery park city and i met, and i told this story before where i got a little bit mouthy with the guy he was writing a ticket on my moving truck and uh, the police commissioner lived in my neighborhood, so I said something about a quota. I don't know if I made fun of the guy for uh, riding a scooter. You know, I, I may have. It's possible. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know. I was very stressed and very emotional in that moment. But the minute I said the whatever, I, the few things I said to this guy, I didn't curse. I didn't come at him. But when I was, like, emotional and frustrated... I saw him change. I saw him shift, and he was not happy. And when he got off of that moped, that little scooter, and he stopped riding that ticket, and he started walking toward me, or that's how I remember it, I put my hands up, I put them back against my body, not not high, not high up. I thought that would have been a weird thing. I just made sure that he was able to see my hands. I don't know if I apologized. I may have, or I, I definitely reeled back, and I started walking backwards. 
to my building, a doorman, high-rise doorman building, and I went through the revolving door. Because in that singular moment, if I continue to say anything or do anything stupid, I was convinced that whatever was going on with that guy, in that moment, he might have done something that would not have turned out good for either of us. And 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 again, I, I'm I'm a I'm a white guy who's sarcastic and stupid sometimes. You know what I mean? Like it's again, I, I don't know much about his ethnicity or where he was, but he was a cop, he wasn't happy. And when it's you and a cop and the cop's not happy, guess who has the upper hand ninety nine point nine percent of the time? In my okay, that's not a real statistic. I don't want my friend to listen to this and start talking about statistics and numbers, okay? Because I haven't actually interviewed every police officer, every person that's ever been arrested. I don't know that. But I'm saying most of the time, if you get pulled over and it's the cop's word against your word, most times, guess who's walking out paying that ticket or going? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Most times. So in that moment, in that situation, yeah, the only thing you have is to just comply with anything and everything and hope the, that you can get a good enough lawyer that can or and or that someone recorded almost all of that so that you have some leverage and hopefully that would, you, yeah that'd be the only way and you know. it seems like to me also right now in the meantime with all of this uh it seems like uh i think uh, all this whole social distancing wearing masks corona rona covid it's like it's over <laughs> well, so I, I, look, I, I'm convinced it's not over. Uh, I think there will be little waves here and there. Here's, here's, uh, here's what I would like to ask. What do you think, if there's not like a major, another big major outbreak by the 4th of July, because we're in the, June now, it would have to happen in about a month for all this to make sense. If there is not another outbreak, what then? Because you talk about people being angry. Everybody's angry. You know, they they started this the, the, before this. There there was a lot of there was a lot of tension, obviously, with what we as a nation have been going through. People losing their jobs, people being uh, you know told to stay home, uh, told to do this, told told to do that. Uh, if if this doesn't bounce back with another big wave, people are going to be like, "Fuck you! Are you fucking kidding me?" I, I I I just think there's going to mm-hmm. be as much anger, not as much anger. That's that's a stupid thing to say, but um, yeah. th- there's going to be a lot of anger. Is what I'm saying over this, yeah. over the, over all of yeah. that, based on uh, the idea that maybe maybe we got we all got gaslighted over this whole thing. I went to I went to a, a backyard wedding this week. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, it, they did it. Uh, it was a, 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 not the first marriage for either one of the people that were getting married. They did it in the, in the backyard in a nice neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were going to do the social distancing thing, sort of. I think is the, their original intent because the way they had it set up was um, well, the, well, the preacher was wore a mask. The uh, photographers that were there and videographers were wearing masks. The guests were kind of set. Um, in this backyard situation, ways uh, not necessarily assigned seating, but they had kind of put everybody in a situation where nobody was like right on top of everybody, and then they were going to have this reception thing with these uh, stand-up tables that were a ways a little ways apart, and they did these uh, really nicely um, catered box lunches so that there mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. not a situation where everybody was right, right on top of any anybody. Um, nobody that showed up. Not a single person, including a, a few older people that were definitely in the over the seventy category. category yeah. Yes, uh, nobody had a mask, mm-hmm. other than those people that I first talked about. Everybody showed up maskless. Uh, there was um, uh, when the wedding was over. It was a small group to begin with, uh, but um, apparently they had told a lot of their um, friends in the neighborhood, and it's a kind of a newer construction nice neighborhood um really really nice houses a lot of the people that lived in the neighborhood i would say 40s ish with with a a couple smaller kids at least that kind of thing there were people coming down the street uh, up the street that were coming up to share on the celebration um before we we left we left probably about 9 nine thirty, something like that but there was probably in in this area there were probably i'm guessing like 40 to 50 people or so hanging around with kids everybody mm-hmm. running around not not a mask not a bit of social separation um um none of it 
And I just get the feeling right now, I don't know if it probably didn't have anything to do with the, with the demonstrations or anything, but um, you're still going to see people with masks. I went to a grocery store this morning. I'd say mm-hmm. it was about 30 to 40% with masks. Mm-hmm. Well, here it's mandatory. In Connecticut well, and New Jersey, it's still mandatory. We have places that are trying to be mandatory, but mm-hmm. uh, it, it's not mandatory everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not mm-hmm. a statewide thing that they've that they've um, that they've taken care mm-hmm. care of. I can tell you when you get when if you get out of uh, out of a coastal region like you're at right now, and you get into the rest of the world, it's a different world. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's uh, a whole lot less give a fuck about it than than there mm-hmm. was to begin with. And you talk to people, and they're like. Uh, they've looked at the statistics now. They know primarily um, who's who's more likely to get it than not, and most people are um, not nearly as freaked out about it as they were. Hmm. And I think in a lot of cases yeah. they're feeling like um, there's there are a lot of things that are shut down that it's bullshit that they need to open it back up, open open it mm-hmm. back up. I'm hearing that more than anything. Right. I, I'm. Uh, I'm not discounting the uh, the protests or the um, we're trying to downplay the importance of it or how it all happened, but I think that the the pandemic is a contributing factor. Oh yeah, I think, I think that if if and I'm not even joking. If sports if if sports were happening right now, right? If if um, if you had everyone had their job and they were going to their jobs and the economy was better and and less people on unemployment, less people. A home or wherever they've been, whether they've been, you know, socially or physically distancing, um, that you wouldn't have the numbers of people coming out right now the way you're having them come out. I just don't, and I don't know if that. So in some ways, I mean, I maybe I, listen. We're at a. I think we're at some sort of turning point. I don't know what that turning point is, and and uh, especially considering it's an election year. Um, yeah. I, I I when Trump speaks, I I don't really understand what how he says the things he says he seems to always speak out of both sides of his mouth i mean when he was talking about the economy i think it was yesterday and he was talking about how great the economy was going to be and 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 downplaying the unemployment which was down to 13 percent or whatever it is and and he and he said something he used he said uh, George Floyd would be looking down at what the fuck and part of me wonders is he just is that intentional is he speaking to his base the people that have voted for him are those gonna kind of even though he doesn't sound like he's joking or being sarcastic or anything it's just like what happens in that brain to say that you know it's like it's such a weird thing you know but it is still an election year and that's kind of scary yeah, and, he, he and just sounds to me, I, I was listening to some of that, and he sounds to me exactly like he's always sounded. He says yeah. weirdest fucking goofy shit about, and it could be something as serious as what's gone on this last week or something completely, uh, you know, he could be talking about his golf game. He's going to say something stupid. Yeah. Just yeah. that's who he is. And I think this week is probably the... I think I'm thinking this is his, uh, the, the final nail in his coffin, probably because you're going to have so many young people that are going to rally and come out and, and vote. Well, and, and, and D.C. is just ramping up. It's ramping up. I mean, with the mayor uh, allowing for the uh, Black Lives Matter and the yellow right along, uh, what is that? It's, I don't know if it's Pennsylvania Avenue. I'm not sure. Right by the White House. Speaking of D.C., Oh, yeah, you've got uh, Matthew Cunningham came up. I've been meaning to reach out to him to find out if he made it back. So he was uh, he was taking a trip from, what, D.C. to Chicago, and he, and he stopped in? Yeah, well, so he had, uh, apparently he had flown, he and his uh, friend Oscar had flown to, I believe, if I've got this right, San Diego. Okay. And then when they were in San Diego, he decided to buy a car. Oh, so, really? Yeah, so he bought a Mazda, uh, I think it was huh. a, a th- 3, Mazda 3, yeah. in in uh, California. And then they okay. drove up the coast of California from San Diego up to... to uh, Washington State, I think. Yeah, yeah, they were in San, San Francisco, Washington State. Well, his uh, sister, I believe, is in San Francisco, and I think his parents are in Washington. So, uh, but Matthew Cunningham is a friend of mine whom I met on Periscope back in whatever that was 2015 and became friendly with him online and then and then i've met him a couple of times in real life because he loves meeting people 
that he's yeah. met online in real life in in person, and he listens to every episode of the show, unlike four and a half times speed. So I don't know what. And he doing. said it was strange to hear me speaking at normal speed. So <laughs> <laughs> that's very. He's he's an oddly bizarrely funny dude. He's funny. He's he was very, very <laughs> he's likable. He's very likable, and, and he's was, a very he's a very generous good decent person he, he gave us lemons uh when life gives you lemons when when matthew cunningham gives you lemons uh he they, literally gave you lemons yeah his sister he loves giving gifts yeah his sister had a lemon tree and okay. uh so he had handpicked these lemons in california which by the way are outstanding fucking lemons they're they're are the they best really? lemons they, they really and i'm not exaggerating these lemons are like <laughs> a cut above any lemon i've had and i think the we must be getting uh I don't know where where do lemons come from Mexico, but maybe I don't, I don't know, know normally, but yeah, these were uh, they're just they're they're juicier, they're lemonier, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, kind great. of almost blown through them already. We we do a lot of of the uh, citrus water stuff around here. So did you do a lemonade? Did you do a sweet lemonade with them? We uh, did you have, have enough not. to make lemonade? We, we would have yes well that would have probably blown through all of them at once but uh right. we we've got kind of a thing here this uh this summer since uh, there's been everybody around the house all summer where we um lemon and lime slices in a big pitcher of water and then throw a bunch of ice in there and put it on the on the kitchen table and then it gets uh gets uh used all day long by everybody how long was the visit uh, he was around for. Um, he saw the chickens and uh, some other stuff, and we're you know, we're trying not to be too. You know, it's like the you know, he was. He kept. I think he said three or four times. Yeah, I think this this uh, <laughs> this Corona thing's about over. He was. He was like. He said it was a great time to travel, and that was right before all the riot stuff happened. So yeah, I hope right. He, it was right yeah, before. Yeah. Like right before. I hope he got to D.C. before things popped off. He was gonna, leaving. He was going to go from my place to Chicago to D.C. the day after that. So, um, but yeah, he was around. Um, I don't know, like... Oh, uh, so he was heading from the West Coast he, back to yeah. the East Coast, across. They had, okay. Yeah, they had been, they came across the West Coast, they went to Yellowstone, and uh, they went to the Black Hills in South Dakota, and they uh, came across uh, and stopped yeah. and saw me, and then they were going to Chicago, and then they were going right. to be yeah. on and, to and D.C. Matthew, I assume he works in the oil industry or something. Um, I don't know exactly what his job is, but I, I would imagine that he's been working virtually. Um, and I don't know how it's impacted him with the price of oil going down. I'm not sure. But, um, but his partner, Oscar, is a hairstylist, and so in dc he would not be able to practice coloring right. or coloring coloring or cutting hair um are they not unless, letting him do that yet unless he was underground is possible i don't think so i think atlanta was the first place one of the georgia was one of the first places they're they're open in in iowa uh yeah barber shops and and there yeah and they've got some sort of uh, rules that they've got to adhere to but they've opened uh that stuff up so i imagine they had the time to do the thing to kind of travel so so he how so how was he there for about half an hour 45 probably uh, maybe an hour um, okay i know we had we, we talked some and looked at the chickens and i don't know if it was quite that long it was it was i wished he could have stayed longer it was just uh it would have, it would have been great to have brought him in here to the recording studio and uh mm-hmm, it would have been nice to like go to lunch or dinner or something he was so strange with me the first time he met me like he was like so excited because he had watched me broadcast in in periscope and we actually became friendly when we were watching other people broadcast and just started chatting there was this dude bradman tv who was like an og live streamer like wannabe comedian guy who would have like like this big heavy set guy he colored his hair like purple and he he would broadcast his life 24 7 and it was a very mundane life he actually lived in uh i believe uh minnesota at the time but i think either in st paul or minneapolis right and and this guy so he would be on he would be sleeping so for those of us who couldn't sleep would just watch him and it was basically became like a chat room Right, so we would literally chat and, and whatever, and then it got to a point where I would start broadcasting, and some of those people that I became friends with, it wasn't like I had this plan. I'm gonna ingratiate myself and make funny comments while this guy's sleeping, and and but Matthew started following me, and we got this, this circle of friends, and I remember when he was first in the apartment, he was just like, oh, and the cat. 
hats and this and the phone and it was just so weird i'm like i'm just a regular dumb dude that really shared way too much of his life at a really weird shitty time in my life that's why i was doing this thing it was like i was trying to fulfill some trying to be funny but it was probably more sad than funny <laughs> you know and, and so but he was always very nice i mean he's even met my daughter and we went out to yeah he to, said that yeah, to he a diner it. yeah he met uh, yeah. and so yeah he's he's like I said he's a character I and Tori walked by and was uh, spoke to him briefly too so he yeah. sort of met her too he was she was confused yeah um, it is it's a very confusing thing right it's just like what okay he's a fan what okay how did that okay <laughs> I was just I just he's a, I was telling everybody it's just a friend just a friend just a guy yeah go, go usually by. honestly I have to tell you with with Periscope anchor. And and even it, doing this, and there haven't been any people that I've met other than maybe someone that followed us on social media. But it was different. But back then, it was just it was so much easier to say his friend, like not explain the backstory, like how I met this person, quote unquote. Because there are too many people that I know my age that still can't get their head around meeting strangers online, like sure. outside. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like outside of dating apps, like the idea that you would. How did you meet them? social media and that's a big thing i would think for millennials down and with our kids forget about it right yeah they're, yeah they're talking to strangers in so many different ways <laughs> there are true. like real genuine friends that people our age have had that someone that could have saved your life and you don't keep in touch with them you have no idea whether they're dead or alive and these kids be like they met them on social media at 12 and they're friends forever and they have a way to reach out to them. it's too much it's yeah, too much. I, they think they will be friends forever. I, do, I wonder how that'll play out. Well, who that, knows? I know. I don't. Yeah. I don't really know. I mean, it's it's just the relationship, the virtual digital relationship. I don't know how that translates, and and you know, there's so much. But yeah, but Matthews, Matthews, all right. But I so, should check in with him to find out uh, if he's. Uh, I'd like to check in with him um, and see how he's doing when he got back to DC and how. Yeah. I don't know exactly where he lives. Um, he said D.C. I, I, I was yeah, I know, but I don't know like how close to the White House, how close to the protests, you know. I mean, and how often he gets out. It would be uh, it would be fun if he lived in the White House. I think that would be a good <laughs> twist in the in the whole story. The guy that John's met that I've met, even though John and I have not met, uh, lives That's in the right. White House. He's he's an agent provocateur. <laughs> you know, I mean, honestly, if I found that, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, he's, I uh, I just googled agent provocateur, by the way. And, it's it's, uh, it's it's yeah. It's a line of uh, women's undergarments. Yeah. I just found out. That's, that's right. That's right. And uh, I did not know that, but um, <laughs> I was going to see if there's more information there about um, this. Uh, yeah, the, did you see? Did you see the video of the guy uh, Rahul Dubey? Who lived in DC and uh, probably about a week ago I think it was Friday or Saturday night a week ago end of May beginning of June and the guy he th there were people protesters out beyond the curfew police had them cornered and he let 60 to 75 protesters stay in his place really? overnight yeah, his son was not with him at that moment, and yeah, I, I don't know if the guy was Indian or whatever, but just like an American dude, some sort of entrepreneur of some sort, of, he has his own business, and he like well dressed, he had like a scarf on, not like a heavy scarf, like a winter scarf, and and he literally had them in. He was like talking to the police officers from outside, like he he was. It's fascinating. You're like. He fed them. He got them pizza. He ordered the pizza. The pizza place was going to have trouble delivering it. He worked it out for them to, like, deliver it to the back of uh, of this, like, you know, um, kind of brownstone -y looking thing right. um, in the backyard. And she's like, dude, like... See, that's, that's a cool story to me, and, and it makes uh, more of a connection than I, what I worry about. It's like when I was talking about at the beginning when I, uh, there's a rally going on. There's a, a couple friends of mine that I know will go down there, and uh, they're going to uh, they're gonna take a lot of pictures of themselves, and they're going to upload yeah. those to various yeah. social media, and which is 
uh, I, I'm just going to call it straight up virtue signaling. And, yeah, right, right. And, and what I know also know about them is that they do not have currently any black friends. Right. Uh, I know that they are not likely in the future to have black friends, not because they're prejudiced or because they've made a decision um, uh, necessarily not to have black friends. I just know uh, that... <laughs> A leopard doesn't change its spots, if you will. And um, so I guess what I would like to see um, people do is with somehow if we could have a little more real interaction between uh, races and people of different uh, creeds, colors, all of that somehow. And I don't know how you do that. We make everybody, instead of going to a rally, you got to uh, go to lunch together. Let's, let's uh, okay, let's all meet at the park. And then I'm going to go, okay, you two and you two, you're going to lunch. You two and you two, you're going to lunch. Uh, but we... Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. Probably not that. Not that much of that actually going on today. I was in traffic. All right, I had a weird moment. Um, I was uh, in my old beater truck, and uh, the 1989 Ford F-150 windows rolled up, air conditioning on because even though it's an old truck, the air conditioning still blows cold. I'm proud of that. But anyway. Um, <laughs> not that proud actually, mm-hmm. but. Um, I'm in traffic and there was a spot where there was a lot of construction and there was an intersection where even though we had the green light, you couldn't get through the green light because traffic was backed up from the previous couple of lights and it was going to be a while before the intersection cleared. So I couldn't get across the intersection. I was the first one waiting to get across, but um, I couldn't do it. So I, I waved this guy that's on the side street to come around the corner and make a turn, which basically would have been illegal at that moment, but nobody was, nobody was going anywhere. The intersection was blocked. It was like, go ahead and go. You know, it's like, here's your chance. And I looked over and it's this big black dude in this car. And he looks at me and he gives me this weird smile and waves. And I thought, <laughs> uh, okay, that was a weird moment. Cause he was like, I don't know. It's like, he was reading more into it. I didn't even realize when I was waving him through quite honestly, that, uh, until he was like right in front of me that it was a black dude. Um, but, um, he, I don't know. Uh, did he think I was doing that because of the events of the week? I don't. I don't think so. But we we had a moment where we smiled at each other. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> we need more of that shit. <laughs> we need to uh, open up our hearts to the views of others and uh, listen. More listening. Everybody wants to talk. That's the thing that's been striking me this week. Is everybody wants to give their fucking opinion and let you know what 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 you're supposed to think or what you're supposed to feel and. I think a lot of us would be better off just shutting the fuck up and listening to what people have to say. Kind of, uh, if if there's a spot in our heart to make a, a, a real change, do it. But uh, mm-hmm. the idea that you have to, have to give your opinion, no, I don't think so. Hmm. Yeah, I uh, heard a story today that's kind of a little similar to your story, sort of not exactly, a little bit deeper. Is uh, and I don't know if it's true, but. Apparently, Bill Withers, you know, you know, just the, the two of us. Lean on me. Yeah. Did he write that? Lean on me. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he wrote it, um, but yeah. Um, uh, he, I was when you when you say Bill Withers, obviously, just the two of us popped up for me that song. Just but, the two uh, of us, and he has another one too that I think is really good. Um, he's great. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, he grew up in West Virginia, and, and there was a situation apparently where he got a. This is I just heard it, and and he had a flat tire mm-hmm. and he didn't have a spare tire on his truck and and again I could be getting p- bits and pieces of this wrong and I could have made the whole thing up I'm not sure uh, but I'm sure I heard it and and he he said that you know a white guy was walking down the road and like he said he has no flat tire and the guy looked like he was straight out of deliverance right and the guy walked back to his place got a spare tire and came back and helped him put that tire on his truck and while it's not this utopian perfect world this thing but it's like this he said this happened to him either that or he's a really good storyteller made it up but even so he made this happen and it's like he gave you that hope where you have this perception of someone you know banjo start playing and this is going to be a bad situation and instead the guy goes and helps him get his tire and it's just I saw. I even saw a guy today where I, I was in a park and the guy had like a pit bull, white guy, big guy, bald. He had a lot of tattoos, you know. And all of a sudden in my head, I have this idea of what I think that guy's thinking about any of this that's going on. And I wouldn't have a conversation with him, and I wasn't close enough to him 
to mm-hmm. read his tattoos. And just because someone had has tattoos, it could have been at a different time in their life, you know. Some people can't afford to have them off, so I can't define that person from their tattoos, although that's a little different. I mean, you know, it's like if you have racist on your neck, you're probably a racist. Yeah, got a swastika yeah. there on your neck. Yeah, yeah swastika, whatever. Yeah. You, you're probably, uh, you're probably not. A, you're not going to synagogue. No, no, you're probably uh, not hanging out. But at the, uh, you know, and I, and I think with restaurant. everything that's going on right now, it's just like what is. And I think I said this to Kylie too. It's like even when I'm in my neighborhood and I'm running and I run a lot and I don't know what I'm running away from, but I, I did eight miles today when I saw that wow, racist that's white that's guy. Awesome. Yeah, longest I've ever done. It's tough. Especially because the humidity is really high here. Not a good, not great, not good to run the heat and humidity. takes takes a toll. But uh, anyway, the, the, so I, every time I'm in my neighborhood, which is you know a pretty pretty white uh, affluent community, is if I see someone black, person of color, Indian, Hispanic, whatever, and I don't know them. I always, I always kind of, it's not like a furrowed brow, they don't blow hair, but I'm curious, right? Because I don't know them. And what I hope is that one day, for my children, for my kids, that they don't do that. That would be, yeah, that would be a new world. Like, like that shouldn't be a thing. Yeah. No, I mean, does it make me a racist for thinking that? I don't know. Conditioned? It's just, Hawk shouldn't make a difference. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is our show. Let's let Mr. Big Voice take us out. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed Unbecoming of Age. Bonus content at unbecomingofage.com. Subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. Find us on social media at Unbecoming of Age. And sometimes when we talk.